The Cosmic Christ Center presents The Cosmic Bible With your host, Ascended Master, Theologian, and Bible Instructor, Mercy Heavens Touch the face of God Hear the Spirit in every word and commune with the cosmic knowledge of the Creator. This is Christ's Word. Theme music, Blue Skies by David Feslian. FeslianStudios.com Hebrews 1.3 Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of God's nature. And Jesus upholds the universe by the power of God's word. Welcome to the Cosmic Bible. I'm Mercy Heavens and this is Christ's Word. In episode one, we learned who God was. So now, let us take some time and learn who Jesus is. Jesus is the physical representation of God. 1 Timothy 2.5 There is one mediator between God and men, and it is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 8.6 Jesus said to the people, There is one God, the Father, from whom all things exist. This is why we exist. John 10.30 Jesus said to the people, I and the Father are one. John 14.9 Jesus said, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own authority, but in the Father's authority who dwells within me. For in me the Father does his works. Believe me that I am the Father, and the Father is in me. John 1, 14, Jesus said. The word of God became flesh in me. John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Since Jesus and God are one, then it is confirmed that whoever God is, Jesus is the same. Once again, let's read Hebrews 1.3. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of God's nature. And Jesus upholds the universe by the power of God's word. Numbers 23.19. So if God is not human, then Jesus does not act like a man and cling to worldly things, nor does Jesus act in worldly ways. John 4:24. God is spirit. If God is spirit, so Christ does act with the fruits of the spirit to show men the way of God. 1 John 4, 7. God is love. 
If God is love, so Christ is also love. Proverbs 35, God is flawless. If God is flawless, so Christ is flawless. Numbers 3.23 and Titans 1.2 God does not lie, nor does God change God's mind. If God does not lie, nor does God change God's mind, so Christ does not lie, nor does Christ change Christ's mind. 1 Corinthians 14.33 God is not a God of disorder. God is a God of peace. If God is not a God of disorder, and God is a God of peace, so Christ is not disorderly, nor is Christ violent, for Christ too is a God of peace. John 1 5 God is light, in God there is no darkness at all. If God is light, and in God there is no darkness at all, so Christ is also light, and in Christ there is no darkness. John seventeen seventeen, God is truth, so Christ is truth. James one thirteen, God cannot be tempted with evil, and God himself tempts no one. If God cannot be tempted with evil, and God tempts no one, so Christ cannot be tempted with evil, and Christ tempts no one. Romans 2.11 For God shows no partiality. God does not show favoritism. If God does not show partiality, and God does not show favoritism, so Christ does not show partiality, and Christ does not show favoritism. Ephesians 6.17 The helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. If the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit is the word of God, so the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit is the word of Christ. Isaiah 48 The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. 1 Peter 2.5 the word of the Lord remains and endures forever. Proverbs 19.21 Many are the plans in the minds of men, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand forever. If all these things are true, then so shall the word and purpose of Christ stand, remain, and endure forever because Christ follows the word of God. Psalm 145.9 The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made, and he has tender mercy on all of his creations. If this is true, so too is Christ good to all. So too does Christ have compassion on all that God has made. And so too does Christ have mercy on all of God's creations. Jesus tells us, The knowledge I have for God is not just because God and I are one. The knowledge I have for God comes from hearing and obeying God's word. Few men do this. 
but I have done it since I was a child. Yea, God set the path for me to follow, and now that path I set for others, so I can lead men back to God. Do not think that I seek to change you or program your minds, for I do not. The love of God comes from the heart, and when a man or a woman truly loves God, they cannot be swayed from the holy path. Just as a man who lives apart from God cannot be swayed towards the holy path. Where I chose to follow God, my apostles chose to follow me. And many of them did so with devotion and dedication to God. Yea, I sat down with Matthew one day and told him a tale of God. For Matthew, like I, sought the knowledge of God, and he also sought the knowledge of who I am. You are the incarnation of the Creator, Matthew would tell me. And men who do not know this must be told. Jesus replied, My love for God is great. It always has been. My love is a love that came by chance. That is, I kept to myself as a child until God found me. Many children have imaginary friends, but I had God. Where the other children would run off and play together, I would sit with God and walk with God, for God was there in every tree, grain of sand, and in all creation that surrounded me. The love of God was everywhere except in the minds of common men. In the minds of common men, there was only lust, greed, boasting, complaining, and the displaying of self-interests. As a child, I would ask God, Father, why do these things that men say and do have no meaning? And Father, what purpose do these things hold for the greater good of the world? My son, God would say, the natural world does not recognize these men or their feelings, for the natural world is mine. And all of the things that men do now will come back to them tenfold in the end. Try to understand that men are not a part of the natural world, nor are they a part of God. So be not like men. Reach out to the creations of the natural world and let men go their own way. For what men destroy today, I shall renew and reseed tomorrow. God did speak wisdom to me upon that day. For from that moment on, every time the other children were seen playing in the dirt and fields, or using sticks and branches to strike one another with, or using them to swat a stone in play, I would admire the stones and the fields and the branches and the sticks. And I would wonder why God gave the tree so many arms to reach with, when man only had two to do their work and keep their enemies at bay. I was like this my whole life. When I wasn't studying my books, I was with God, marveling at God's creations and wondering, how can I help them? How can I serve them? And how can I save them? How can I teach God's creations? And why did God make them so wonderful and beautiful while men were made so separate and apart from God and God's entire web of life. 
Philippians 2, 1-4 Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make God's joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Reva Christ will now share her messages from Christ about his life on earth. The dissertation I will be reading from comes from They Call Him Savior, The Return of Christ, which is the autobiography of Christ that I received from Christ in telepathic correspondence. I could not bond with the other children. I felt isolated from them. I did not feel I belonged. I did not feel I was one of them. And they saw me as someone who was apart from them and this drew their attention, and they tried to goad me into their games, but I did not understand their games, and so they tried to bully me into submitting to their ways, but I did not like their ways, so I would run back to my books. My mind was my world, the world of hitting other boys with sticks, or hitting stones with sticks was not my world. I sought to know more about God, I did not seek the company of flesh men. When I was with God, I was special. I was no longer on earth. I was in a place apart from other mortals, and in this place, I was safe and secure. God encouraged me to explore nature, to love nature, and so I explored nature lovingly. I enjoyed the insects with large wings, and I enjoyed the fields of grass and the animals that grazed. I enjoyed the cattle, the goats, the sheep, and the pigs. I also enjoyed the camels, cats, and dogs, and I enjoyed the birds and rodents. I could sit and watch the brook babble, and I would be thoroughly entertained by the movement of the water and the rejoicing sound of the current that bounced against every stone. To catch sight of a fish swimming was joyful, and should one jump from the water only to dive into another part of the water, I would be amazed. In the evenings I would sit and listen to my mother read the Bible. This is how I spent my youth. I was fully learned in the Bible by the time I was nine years of age, and I would read from the book often to my mother, for it was she who taught me to read the good book. My father had nothing to do with me, and my brothers only wanted to tease me and goad me into fighting with them. By the time I was fifteen, I was reciting the good book in the synagogue and lending my voice as a cantor in the hymns that accompanied the services. My father's friends thought I was best suited for ministry work. They would come to my father's house and would ask me to join them whenever they wished to discuss the scriptures, and they would offer me smokes and wine. They were amazed at my understanding of the book. 
It was the only time I received praise. In truth, it was all on the part of my father's friends. My father had no part in it. My father merely tolerated the attention I received because his friends were influential. When it was decided that I would speak publicly, it was my father's friends who made the decision and my father's friends who laid out the plan. They proposed to bring in their sons to learn my interpretations of the scriptures. And from the group of fathers and sons, twelve were chosen as apostles. My father was not one of these. We would plan our sermons and our territories, and we would go off and speak. Peter and Paul would accompany me, sometimes Matthew, Luke, or John, but no more than three or four of us would go off to meet the people and make a presentation. I enjoyed speaking in parables and metaphors because they were entertaining for the mind. I chose lectures when I felt the need to correct people for wrongdoing or to announce what was wrong and why it was wrong. The elders promoted me as the son of God, and people believed the promotion and offered burnt offerings in my name. But I did not want burnt offerings. I found their displays offensive and cruel, and I condemned them for their blindness. When man inflicts harm, whether he is killing for food or material necessity, he is not thinking with a mind of virtue, but man was created with a mind capable of virtue. Because he is capable of higher virtuous thinking, he is expected to use his higher virtuous mind to care for and preserve life, and he is to forsake his lower, darker mind. We are allotted only a limited time to use our physical journey for spiritual and mental evolution. After our bodies die, our spirits return to the energy that matched their living vibration. In man's choice to serve dark aims, he chooses to spend an eternity in darkness and the memory of his dark acts. But people did not understand that then any more than they are capable of comprehending it now. Once the darkness has control of them, they are enslaved by it, and so that is all they serve. I did not set out to run an outlaw ministry, but this is what happened because my own righteous ideas of God's morality drove me to speak out against the establishment for their greed, their blindness, and their cruelty, and my opinions have not changed. The people were not aware they were being led to corruption, and my public demonstrations of opposition against the establishment, using God as my sword and my shield, caused the people to turn toward me and away from the merchants. This showed the establishment how powerful the word of God could be as a persuasive tool to command an audience. And this is why, after I was executed, the men who murdered me and those who conspired with them planned to use my ministry against the public in order to extort money from them for their sins against God. This is how the churches became big business empires all their own. They preach the rhetoric that man wants to hear because it is man's rhetoric. It is the very rhetoric that supports male chauvinism and man's oppression. Greed, divisive thinking, and destruction of the environment, the animal kingdoms, 
and his human enemies. Man uses religion as another way to support commerce, not only in the taking of tithes from the public, but in the distribution of commercial goods to the poor under the guise of helping the needy, when to truly help the needy would be to stop the cause of poverty, not to placate it. But the churches cannot stop poverty because the churches themselves are the cornerstone of all the big business empires of the world that cause poverty, just as they are the cornerstone of all the big business empires that cause the destruction of the animal kingdoms and the earth. I see all that is done, and I know who does it. This is the truth that is kept from the masses and the consumers. It is all one network of ruthless greed that runs your human world, and there is no good in it. There is only man's propaganda that says it is good. But man is a liar, a cheat, an extortionist, a thief, and a murderer because he creates poverty and misery, and he creates death and destruction for all life on earth, including the web of life that sustains him. Yea, I tell you this from beyond the grave, because I live to tell the tale. Only my body died on the cross, but my spirit mind lives, because it is connected to the cosmic creator. It doesn't matter to me if you believe me or not. Those who are wise will utilize their intelligence, gather the facts, and be astounded that what I say is truth, and it will render them speechless. Yea, just remember, you heard it here first. The rules to life are not hard. You just prefer to ignore them in favor of placating immediate longings. You are programmed for instant gratification, and many of you feel you are being punished by unseen forces, but I tell you there is no punishment but that which you inflict upon yourselves and others. No deals do I make to test your faith or your spirit. I do not test minds and I do not test bodies. The fate of each man is in his own hands. He chooses to do good or ill. If you feel bad things happen through no fault of your own, you are not paying attention. If you do not take care of the body, you will become ill. If you do not pay your debts, you will become indebted. If you fail to pay the tax assessor, you will go to jail. If you fail to pay your landlord, you will lose your home. All things have a cause that is proportioned to physical laws. The body is not perfect. It will die. If death occurs, it is not a punishment because you loved the one you mourn. The one who died did not lose his life for punishment. Death is a natural condition of life. If you face extraordinary circumstances, which some do, and these circumstances consist of an abundance of problems for you to overcome, I say be watchful that you do not create more. But I do not do this. And when such extraordinary things cease to be, praise peace and make it yours. Do not take life so personally. It is not about you. Each man has his own journey. Because you witness a man's journey, and you may love that man, 
If he falls on hard times, you internalize that journey and think you have been punished, or he has been punished, but this is not so. You do well to stand by the afflicted and care for them, but the affliction belongs to the inflicted. It is not the lot of the caretaker or the loved one. You choose to take it as your cross to bear when each of you has your own afflictions and your own lots. Each of you should help each other overcome the afflictions that you face, but do not take them personally. Take care of the body, mind, and spirit. Do not focus on one and neglect the others, for the day will come when the other states lack, and this state of lack will be your new affliction. Prevent states of lack. Be filled and be diligent in the fulfillment of body, mind, and spirit. Do not neglect one for the other. People are just as obsessed with power today as they were in the days when I lived on earth. True power is not might as you would like it to be. Nay, might is a physical thing requiring physical action. This kind of power will perish with the physical being who wields it. True power is peace, and because it is peace, it is also stillness, pacifism, humility, gentleness, compassion, kindness, and mercy, the very qualities of the spirit. The spirit will not perish. But men did not see this then, and they do not see it now. Yet here I am two thousand years after my death, and I still speak to those on earth. When you see death, you see peace. The body no longer moves or breathes. It no longer speaks. It no longer yearns or hungers. It no longer cries out for want or need. It is still. It cannot be awakened, and you are powerless to change its state. You can remedy all other states. You can apply heat to the cold. You can dry out what is wet. You can heal what is sick or injured. You can right what is wrong. But you cannot change death. For in death there is absolute peace and stillness. The power you cannot alter or change. You mistakenly believe that your power is in your might to cause death, to render another life form lifeless, still, and motionless. But this is not your power. This is the power of God. For even though you may strike the fatal blow, it is God who steps in and says, No more. You can do no more. And you can't do any more, because after you have killed, there is nothing left. You hold nothing but death on your hands, and the recorded actions of the violence you caused that will haunt you in your mind. The victim that you murdered, whether human or animal, is free. You are not. You still live, and you will go on with your memory of the death you caused, even after your own body expires. If it pleased you to kill, you may enjoy a dark pleasure and dark satisfaction from your dark action. But you still 
exist, which makes you a servant of existence, a slave to the life force inside you. You are not the one in power. You are the servant to the one who is power. True power is the peace from which there is no transmutable state back to activity. I share with you the wisdom of the ages, the wisdom I have learned that I tried to tell so many years ago when that wisdom fell on deaf ears. These are the life lessons that I witnessed when I watched men on earth chase after their dark longings and leanings. Your life continues in all your recorded thoughts. You will find this out for yourself. Is it not better to prepare for that day by recording memories of peace and joy rather than memories of spite, hate, violence and vengeful thinking or regret, shame and remorse? And if your curse is not these things, but instead you are cursed with emptiness, wouldn't you rather be filled with something? Wouldn't you rather hold the peace and joy of God's light as your companion through all of time? This is the food I give you. It is food for your mind. It is the new soul food. I am here. I live. I survive, and all of my goodness and mercy is intact. All of my morality and my holiness are also intact, and I thrive. Should you wish this to be your destiny, follow my lead. Evolve. Now Mercy will continue her dissertations from Jesus. Jesus told me, Do not let the lies of men deceive and divide you while pushing you away from God. For you are God's witnesses to man's corruption and destruction of the world. Do you not see that men seek to make you believers in men rather than believers in God? Be strong in the truth of God and run as fast as you can away from the deceptions of men. True men and women of God turn their backs on men who seek violence over peace. True men and women of God turn their backs on men who seek inequity over fairness, justice, and equality. True men and women of God turn their backs on men who seek destruction, suffering, pain, hardship, terror, and torment over mercy. Be true men and women of God and also turn your back on these things. Only the Father and I are one. For God, the Father, is the one who sent me to earth, not to teach the ways of men, but to teach the ways of the truth of God. Men say they are one with God, but men do not hold the ways and truth of God. For men only hold the ways and truth of men. God is spirit, men are flesh. God lives by the fruits of the spirit. Men live by their own self-interest, greed, and self-serving gains. God told men that men were not to operate through their own ability to destroy the earth and God's creations. God told men that men were to operate by using their godly abilities to save and restore the earth through spiritual stewardship. Remember, we are not at battle with men. Men are in battle with God. God requires true evangelism and discipleship of all believers to set the world free of man's corrupt, unjust, unfair, and violent hold. Evangelism requires the intentional pulling of light out from darkness by bringing all fallen men to the light of God 
exposing the darkness of men, shines God's light on man's dark deeds. So they are bathed and illuminated in the light of equity, mercy, kindness, compassion, altruism, and peace. To bring the dark hearts and minds of men into the light of God, men must relearn to read and understand the Bible scriptures by applying God's truth to them. To read the Bible by applying God's truth, men must return to the beginning. The beginning is Eden before man sinned. The beginning is Genesis 1-9. Follow Genesis 1-9 and you follow God's truth. End all evil on earth and start again with this scripture and peace will take the place of all battles and wars. This is how you renew your minds. It is a simple process fit for a child. The weakest among you are the animals and the children, yet they are the strongest among you because of their innocence. Animals and children keep their innocence intact. Adults who are innocent already know this. Men say those who are innocent are weak, for men see weakness in all acts of peace, love, kindness, mercy, compassion, sensitivity, and equity. Reba has a message from Jesus concerning man's strength. Man's idea of strength lies in the power of his weapons and the power of his muscles to wield those weapons. It is in the power of the muscles of the slaughterhouse worker to lift the sledgehammer and smash the skull of the living cow, the living steer, the living bull, or the living hog. It is in the power of the muscles of the slaughterhouse worker to hang that bludgeoned animal from a hook and then to take a knife and rip the stomach open of that animal and let it bleed out. Man's idea of strength lies in the strength of his muscles that gut the animal and butcher the animal. There is no innocence in this man, and there is no light. Man's ideas of strength lie in hiding with a gun in his hand until he sees a deer and then he shoots that deer, or perhaps he shoots or snares a rabbit, or a squirrel, or a chipmunk. Perhaps he uses a bow and arrow. Perhaps he uses a steel trap on a fox or a bear, and then he comes to watch them suffer before ripping the life from them with his knives. There is no light in these men, and there is no innocence. This is the power of man. And it is also man's idea of glory. And their wives wait to surrender to them when they come home, because to copulate with such a man is ecstasy. For the woman is as blind as the man, and to have a child with such a man is sublime. For that child can be programmed to kill, just as the father kills, and a whole nation can be raised to accept the killing while celebrating and copulating with killers and not one in that society will hold the light, nor will they be innocent, not even the children. Man's idea of strength is to promote meat-eating, for meat-eating promotes killing, and it promotes the right to kill. 
So men praise hunting in all its guises. They praise fishing in all its guises. They praise war in all its guises. And they celebrate killing by feasting on animals at every victory celebration because these things make them feel strong and powerful. But there is no light in these men and there is no innocence. And if this is the power that you crave, you do not hold God's seeds. You are barren of God. The only seeds you carry are the seeds of death. Men who feel that they are strong are absent of peace, for they are fully prepared to forsake God's laws and kill the world to gain what they desire rather than having faith in God. These men only have faith in themselves and their dark abilities to kill, harm, and make life suffer through their dark acts of meat-eating and animal torture. Men see weaknesses in those who do not hunt or fish. They see weakness in those who do not kill, which is why killing is legalized and pacifism is shunned. It is not taught, nor is it celebrated. The vegan and vegetarian who only eat seed foods are ridiculed because they do not kill. And as the numbers of plant eaters grow, so man becomes more and more afraid that he will lose his right to kill. So he conjures insane arguments about the eating of vegetation in order to present an argument that states he has a love of plants, when if he had any love in him at all, he would not kill animals. Man always diverts from his own blame and seeks to blame others while raising himself. Even the animals that man eats are primarily herbivores. But man's hate for the herbivore is another face of man's hate for God's vegetation diet. And it is another sign of man's war against God. And it is a war that he has been waging since the days of Eden. All of his progeny carry on this war. It is because of man's war against God that I, as the son of God, was murdered by men. And it is why, after destroying my body, that men raised an industry called religion. And they wrote the doctrines of that industry and put my name to their words and said I died for their sins. And now men were free to kill everything. And they started the practice of drinking my blood and eating my body and hanging my crucified body in every church so it was ten feet high. And they made smaller versions of my execution that they could put around their necks. And they sanctified their slaughter of animals and their eating of meat. But all of man's industrial religions serve man and the world of business. They are billion-dollar industries that make their board of directors rich while the poor are kept in poverty. Not one of these industrial religions emulates my work. Not one stands up for me. Not one 
stands up against man as I stood up against man. And as they do not stand up against man, so they do not serve me. They serve themselves and praise themselves. And as they only serve and praise themselves, so they only worship themselves as God. The mind of the spirit is the mind of a pacifist. And this mind is a diamond because the mind of the spirit is full of light. So it gives off light and it holds light within. This light comes from God and it is the light of peace. And it is also my peace. The mind of the man that kills is a mind of granite. There is no light in it, nor does it reflect light. It is dark, dull, and cold. Nothing gets through, and no intelligence comes out of it because there is nothing in man's mind but the lust for violence and the power of violence. His feet trod heavily as he stomps through life, fighting, killing, oppressing, confining, depriving, lying, cheating, and murdering his way to oblivion. Romans fourteen seventeen, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God, and this receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Edification is the improvement of moral and intellectual excellence and enlightenment. Mutual edification is for all men. It is to raise all darkened minds out of darkness and to support all men who are enlightened. Those who are enlightened seek peace. Those who are in darkness seek the opposite of peace. Is it peaceful and enlightened to eat vegetables over the eating of meat? The answer is yes, because meat is premature death that comes from the killing of innocent beings. This makes meat a violent and dark act, and it also makes meat a godless act. James 3:18. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You cannot make peace and kill. You cannot make peace and harm. You cannot make peace through creating suffering, terror, pain, or hardship. When God told men to eat everything, God turned men over to their sins and let man bathe in the darkness of his ancestors in order to lead other men out of darkness. For God hoped to separate the godly from the ungodly, so that one day all godly men would see the light and put an end to the ignorance of their ancestors. To this day, however, men have programmed people to believe that meat-eating is a way to live in paradise, when in actuality it is a way to live in immoral degradation and iniquity. Do you remember the words of Adolf Hitler? Through the clever and constant application of propaganda, people can be made to see paradise as hell, and also the other way around, to consider the most wretched sort of life as paradise. I, all the words of the dead are here, and I know them. 
Luke 11:28. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. In order to be godly in the eyes of men, men had to raise themselves and their ways of death to be the accepted ways of God, and therefore men had to discredit God's word in order to raise their own word above God's, so all other men would follow their flesh ideas and not the holy ideals of the true Creator. Read your Bible in innocence and seek the truth of God. Know your Bible by the truth of God and you will know God. Remember all acts and words that promote violence, corruption, suffering, and iniquity are absent of God. Also, be mindful that when any man creates states of harm, suffering, death, distress, terror, torment, pain, hardship, anxiety, or confusion from an animal, they are persecuting that animal for not being a human being. God loves all his creations. And man was made last. Man does not hold the number one position as he thinks he does. Humans that persecute animals also persecute men for being of different race, color, nationality, gender, economic status, and for holding differences in their lifestyles, ways of thinking, and in their beliefs and sexual preference. Anything that is contrary and in opposition to man's thinking is abnormal to man. Once a man's personal and individual definition of normalcy is allowed and accepted as the normal way of life for all, persecution begins. The persecution of men started through the allowance and acceptance of the persecution of animals. When men were allowed to legalize the harming, suffering, killing, distress, terror, torment, pain, persecution, hardship, anxiety, and confusion of animals, they normalized the act of persecution itself, so that causing harm, suffering, killing, distress, terror, torment, pain, persecution, hardship, anxiety, and confusion became a normal way for man to behave. But causing harm, suffering, killing, distress, terror, torment, pain, persecution, hardship, anxiety, and confusion is far from normal to the mind that is balanced. These acts are the acts of those who are insane. The men that did this thing were thoughtless fools. And when men normalize and follow the acts of thoughtless fools, they are also thoughtless in their thinking and in their ways, and they are foolish. God sent me to earth to tell men their definition of what is normal is corrupt. What is normal is all acts that promote the fruits of the spirit. What is normal is holiness and divinity. What is normal is Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Everything you do not want to believe in. Against these things there is no law. Forbearance is restraint and tolerance. It is the action of refraining from exercising or enforcing any retaliation, movement, action, or measure that might harm, kill, or cause suffering, 
hardship, death, or distress. Your refusal to live up to these things does not negate these things, but it does illuminate your anarchy against your Creator. Coming out of the Cosmic Stream, in our next episode of the Cosmic Bible, we will be learning about spiritual warfare in the Bible. I'm Reva Christ. May the Word of Christ be with you.